My critique was that he would promote anything for money. And so I created a fake crypto coin and I had a friend call him and said, hey, we've got this great crypto coin. We fit, we created a website, created everything. He got him to agree to, to promote it for $20,000 a video for three different videos. And so I was like, all right, great. I'll be in LA next Thursday kind of thing. And I drove out there and I had a security guard and I had a friend filming me. And I went out there and confronted him in person as if I was this fake guy that was gonna, that was behind this new crypto coin. Do you think that people felt like you sold out because now you're friends with these people and like oh, you... Of course, that's one of the conspiracy theories. Once you start having videos made about you and they don't even reach out for comment or to try to understand your side of the story or like, hey, maybe just maybe because you're friends with everyone involved, I'm the only person who knows the full story. The only one, and yet I'm the most hated. Spencer, welcome to the Better Wall Show. I hope you asked some really tough questions, like the hot seat, financial <laughs> Man, hot I'm, seat. I'm I'm excited to have you on here, and this this is what I'll have to say. I just have to get a little bit of back background. So I'm I'm starting this YouTube channel. I don't have a huge huge channel at the time. Um, don't have a huge channel now. And you're you were one of the videos um, and people that I started watching, along with like Coffeezilla and some of the other finance creators. And what I loved about you is you have always seemed to be quite balanced. You were like, hey, you, you'll share, like you'll go after people, but you always will share the other side. And I think sometimes that can get you in trouble because people are like, well, you should, you should choose one side, not the other. But I'm like very, very grateful for how you think. Um, and, I, and I believe that has um, the reason why you've scaled your channel. And you are the, the anti-guru guy, as some people um, suggest you as. And, and you make a lot of videos around a lot of different topics, whether it's real estate, whether it's Robert Kiyosaki, whether it's um, gurus out there, whether it's just the news. And you really break things down and you've done a, a phenomenal job. And so it's an honor to have you on this, this show. And um, I'm just excited to get to know you a little bit better and how you think. I very much appreciate it because that's uh, something that I've always tried to be as someone that is understand the, the nuance of life. I think all stories, it's a cliche, all stories have three sides. And I've just seen on social media that so many people are incentivized to take one side and ignore the other. And it'll rile up a fan base. I mean, politics is, of course, like the best example yeah. of this. So you, you get all the Internet points for your audience. But to me, I just I don't want to live in a world where someone will look at a story and they only look at one side and they don't even hear the other side. Because if you're ever on the receiving end of someone making videos about you or headlines about you and you're to be the bad guy, or in some cases, someone sees one news story. And, you know, if you think about the news, like a New York Post or the New York Times, like someone might make a, a, so much content about you and they never even reach out and ask for a comment. I mean, imagine that. And so I think uh, there's been a few moments in my career where I've made videos about people and it just everything made sense. I, I read a lawsuit or I saw a headline or I read a news article and that was the bad guy. And getting to know that person, it made me realize, oh, there was actually a lot of flaws in my line of thinking. And so over time, I've done a better job at understanding, always keeping in mind that even if you see one news story about someone scamming or frauding, defrauding, until you hear their side of the story or until you try to better understand the full picture, I don't think it's ethical or moral to you know, come out and really label them as the bad guy. One thing I love about this show is I love hearing the how people think 
um, because I think uh, frameworks, I'm a huge framework guy. And if and I, I love thinking about how does someone make decisions about money? How does someone make decisions about business, about their personal life, about their values? And one of the things that I love is just understanding people's backstories. You have uh, two podcasts that I've listened to that you've done a phenomenal job, the No Jumper podcast and the Ice Coffee Hour, where you go into your backstory in way more detail. And so I'll make sure to link to those uh, in the description. But uh, th a 30-second or two-minute overview of like who is Spencer, your upbringing, um, and, and maybe just share a little bit of like the inputs that you got as a kid to make you be the person you are today. I feel like I was raised by the best parents. Like I love the certain strategies that they use to to raise me and the certain, I guess, personality traits that I've been able to gain through them. Now that I'm older, I can appreciate it because I've seen what they've done with me. I grew up in Kennesaw, Georgia, nice suburb of Atlanta, went to Georgia Southern University. That's where I graduated and uh, worked in sports for many years, then uh, decided to go into tech. Tech brought me out to Las Vegas. I've lived in I've lived in many different states all across the country. When I grew up in Georgia, when I ultimately moved to Alabama, Florida, Houston, Texas, Oakland, California, I was able to see the country and able to see both coasts. And I think that is where this was 2014. That is where a lot of my belief systems came from, just seeing how the world can be so different, even within the same country. So anyway, I've had um, some real estate success, some real estate failures, and then some YouTube success, thankfully. Um, you said that December 2nd, 2019, that was a special day for you when you really, your YouTube career, like there was like some epiphany or aha. Do you want to unpack that? Because again, that's probably a year after I started watching you and it seemed like you were just crushing it and you were resonating and you were building so much momentum. Um, what happened December 2nd, 2019? That was the first episode of a series called Authentic or Charlatan which is the moment where I realized, oh, this is going to be the new path, or at least this is an indicator of a certain style of video that I should make. Ironically enough, actually, a few months before that, I had my first video take off. It had 100, 200 views, like normal. It was very, very low views. I hadn't quite cracked the algorithm. I haven't quite cracked the YouTube game at that point. And thankfully, I had a video about a fourplex, and it took off randomly. And it was at that moment where I realized I wasn't special in the negative, meaning I think when you don't succeed at something, you go... I have some limiting factor, like I have a, per I don't have the personality traits necessary to, to succeed or whatever. And so seeing that video take off, I realized, okay, it is possible. And I am someone who might have a chance to succeed. So that was actually arguably the most pivotal. And that gave me hope to continue. Because at that point, I was like four years in with no success. And then December 2nd, 2019, episode one of Authentic or Charlatan, it was very clear from the start that it was a, a, more views were coming in for that video. It was like, okay, I got something here. And what was the epiphany? Like, was it in the shifting, how you were talking, the subjects? Like, what was like the aha that you had? Ironically enough, I was already making similar videos. However, I think it was this concept of, is this person real or fake? Yeah. It was about internet marketers who at the point, at that point, no one had really, I, I really dislike using the word exposed, but no one had really been making kind of call out content. CoffeeZilla was ahead of me. And so he had started this fake Guru Friday series. But no one was really making a series of like, hey, these guys are real popular. Like, are they legitimate? Let's look into their backstory and just share what I found. And I also wanted to implement, I never really implemented it that well because after two episodes, I realized it probably wasn't smart. But Dave Portnoy does a pizza review where he you know, eats a pizza and reviews it. I wanted to review every guru on some scale, like, are they real or fake? And then my <laughs> friend was like, probably not best to just objectively call someone a charlatan. Like that could, 
ironically enough, get you into legal hot water. Um, so I stopped that, but that was the that was the premise. So you made it. You made a video on Robert Kiyosaki, and Correct. I'm always like, he's he's the goat when you look at like rich dad poor dad. I have the pleasure of like connecting and speaking, and it's like thinking girl rich, which is has some interesting backstories behind it as well, and. Rich Dad, Poor Dad are like the two books that seem to always be popping up. And so on one hand, it's like so many people like read that book at a time in their life and it like shifted the way that they think about assets versus liabilities and the cash flow quadrant. And and then when you actually start unpacking what Robert Kiyosaki's done since then, renting out his name and the, the, some of the things that he's been a part of, it's very, very, very eye-opening. And so any, any comments or like, I know you watch... You, you, you did a good job in that video to lay out like your love for his book and then some of the th reasons why he's um, gotten himself in trouble. Did that, did that video, like, was that the, one of the videos that helped you take off? And yeah, that was episode did you, two. Did you hear anything about like, did they reach out to you or did you get any flack from that because he's such a beloved person? No, not that I remember. He's a great example of just the nuance of life. And when I was first growing, I was more objective. When I say more objective, it was the intentions were pretty clear of just like making a documentary and saying the good and the bad. He's a great example because his book is amazing. It helps so many people. So who am I to say, like, don't go buy his book? Shoot, I actually promote his book because I think it's great. But that's, it could be a very complicated life where someone can have a good side and a bad side. And we can talk about both. But unfortunately, YouTube's getting to the point where you only want to hear the bad side. And, and if you, oh my gosh, if you say one good thing about that guy, it's like, <laughs> cancel that guy. I'm seeing that now. Um, but yeah, he's got a, he's got a great book and he's also part of the, he was part of, I don't believe anymore, was part of this real estate seminar circuit that I think is the scammiest business model in the world. Very much disagree with the business practices that he participated in. Yeah. The, and, and a lot of these seminar businesses, they get people in a room and it's usually free to come and then they just it's a hype fest and a lot of times you're financing at 20,000 or 30,000 i have a friend that paid $50,000 to learn this thing about real estate and in most cases it's a it's a total disaster and they're preying on people's emotions and Absolutely. i'm not sure why they're still going on cuz i still see seminars to this day that do this. And my whole thing is if you're teaching money and you're now needing a credit card processing or like a, a really good a way to get them to finance the deal, man, I think that should be a check in someone's um, spirit, whatever you call it to say, maybe this is not the right thing. Yeah, you would think so. Right. But they they just keep going on. There was uh, numerous celebrities that are in real estate. And for me as a real estate investor, I can't possibly put my name on anything associated. If I found out, hey, we want you to use your name, you promote this thing. And this is the business model. If I found out that I would not, you couldn't pay me enough money, $10 million a year does not matter. You cannot pay me enough money to participate. And I, that that's what I found so gross. It's people who understand real estate, like to charge customers who don't have money, tens of thousands of dollars to learn knowing that real estate kind of costs money to go buy a deal. Yeah. <laughs> so you're limiting their ability to succeed. What's the solution to that? Because you could say like, okay, you need to be accredited investor. And I'm, I think that's a good potential first step. The problem with the whole accredited investor is there creates like the separation of, okay, if you have money, you have opportunity, but it, but you know, like 
the idea of accredited investor is you're making enough or you have a high enough net worth where you you should be able to make maybe maybe better money decisions. But what do you think there's a certain law or something that could be in place that could protect the the little guy without them just just missing out on investing or or entrepreneurship or some of the principles that have helped you and I, you know, live a a 1% life. I feel like that's a very nuanced conversation because now you're bringing in personal responsibility, which is tough because I'm, I was raised to be responsible for every decision I make. Yep. Even if someone scams you, it's still your responsibility because you yep. made the choice. So yeah, in regards to investing, I think that's a totally different conversation. If you're speaking about like the seminar business and keeping them from spending credit card money, I'm sure that, yeah, there's something, there's something there. As far as investment, I think that's a, I'm not, I'm not sure how to answer well, just even like, like about investing. What about like a $5,000 self-help seminar? Like it, you've heard from some people, or at least I have, that it's literally changed their life. I, right. I know people that are, make millions of dollars that go to those seminars. I also know someone who goes to those seminars to learn how to be, quote unquote, a better speaker, and they have nothing to speak about. Like, right. it, it's just like, and so it's so tough. It's like, how can you have one input from, but it's like, how do you like, and I'm with you. I don't, I think the more the government tries to regulate, I think that can backfire. I'm with you on the, the, the take responsibility, but sometimes that uh, message <laughs> could backfire. I have the best answer for you. Cause I, I know what you're getting at now. So I yep. think I wish we had more resources on advertising. And so yep. we, we just saw the news a few months ago. It was like 81,000 new IRS agents. Personal side note, I think spending time trying to go after income taxes is such a waste of resources in America. But I think that if we could hire that many people for advertising, that because if if what's being advertised is what's being delivered to me, it's not a scam. If you say, right. hey, we're going to spend three days and we're going to talk about these philosophical things and you want to spend $5,000, to me, I see nothing wrong. But as long as the customer is getting what they what was promoted, the problem with a lot of these yep. real estate seminars and, and a lot of these things is it's over promised. And so you could charge $50,000 for education. I'm not against that because there's some people in the world that if you're if you're a CEO of a company, there's only so many people that can solve your your problem right now. If I need to know how to hire this type of person. Like you can't just go buy a course to learn to solve that problem. So you might need to pay 50 grand yep. for an hour of Grant Cardone's time or whatever to solve that problem. I see nothing wrong with the cost. I think it's the problem. And this is where I started on my channel where I wanted to spend so much time on is I, I saw the scammy marketing. And that's why I've never yep. really reviewed courses. I don't really go after people personally. I just look at the marketing. If you're over promising, you're going to guarantee that you can buy real estate. You're going to start making six figures a year after the seminar. Well, yeah, people are probably going to spend a lot of money because you just promised that they're going to quit their job and start making six figures. Of course, you're going to spend five or 10 grand. But when you find out it's just basic level information and a hype fest, to me, yeah. that's that's the problem. Do you see a common theme with the scammy marketing messages? Is it like, no time. Like, are they always related. going to like, you don't need any skill set. You can be bad looking. You can eat potato chips on your couch and you can make a ton <laughs> of money. Like, I know you made a couple of videos of the Amazon automation stuff. And per personally, whenever I got those ads, I'm like, okay, you want me to cough up money. I don't have to do any, like it, it, from the very beginning, I was like, this is not a sustainable model because if anything was this easy, you would have hedge funds <laughs> and Wall right. Street would dump it. Like, that's my whole thing is like, if there's any like being in the investment space, if there's anything that's like way too good to be true, you better believe there's going to be, you know, Wall Street money and you're going to be the last to hear about it. Is there any or common themes that you're like, if it checks returns. these boxes, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to spend more time and potentially do a YouTube video off of it. 
Yeah, I I think the scammy marketing is kind of coming to an end. I feel like the audiences and the customers, the potential customers have all kind of gotten used to it at this point. And it's gotten, it has to get so ridiculous to like keep getting worse. So I haven't, I haven't seen many scammy ads lately, but yeah, the, the common theme is all, it was always a, a money pitch. And it was generally, the funny thing was, it was always an even number. It was always $10,000 a month or a hundred thousand dollars a year. It was always a, this perfectly even number. Like I'm going to show you how to make 10 K a month. Like why not nine or why not seven? You know? <laughs> but yeah. It was just such an easy sales pitch. So that, that was really common. Yeah. And of course, if you, if the guy has no ethics, then you start getting into the, you don't need any skills. You don't need any money. Like some of it's partially true, but not fully true. Do you, do you have a favorite video that you've made? Yes. The Mr. Organic one. Do you know okay. what, what I, I'm I talking don't about? Believe I've, yeah, no, I don't. Okay. You... Mr. Organic was the very six. He's a very tall dude, six, six, very physically intimidating. And we were kind of publicly beefing because I made a video about him promoting gambling and kind of insinuating that people could win at gambling, which I know you can't. Ironically enough, no one seems all these like scam exposers now, they all, all go after the crypto stuff, but they never go after people who promote gambling whose system is literally rigged against their customer, their fans, but side rant over. Um, Mr. Organic was promoting gambling and it wasn't really about him. It was just he happened to be a someone promoting gambling and I had the I had the videos of it. And that's why I made a video about him. And he came back and then called me a racist. And so then I, I came back with another video, like clowning on him pretty hard. And then he came back with a video clowning on me hard. And so I was like, oh, this is great. I said my critique was that he would promote anything for money. And so I created a fake crypto coin and I had a friend call him and said, hey, we've got this great crypto coin. We fit, we created a website, created everything. And uh, we uh, we got him to agree to to promote it for $20,000 a video for three different videos. And so I was like, all right, great. I'll be in LA next Thursday kind of thing. And I drove out there and I had a security guard and I had a friend filming me. And I went out there and confronted him in person as if I was this fake guy that was going to, that was behind this new crypto coin. And I came with a check <laughs> and I showed up and I was like, what's up, man? And it, it was actually really cool. He was nothing but respectful to me. So it was, a, it was ended up really cool, but it could have gone wrong. Dude, I love that. I and I I saw a couple videos like you got to you got to interview um Antonio Brown uh, yeah. in person and there's a couple other videos that you've done um and you've really reached you you you've tapped into some different markets and so I think it's hard to put you in a box because it's like all right, you're you're like going after this the anti-gurus, but then you'll do a video on real estate and then you'll do a video on, you know, other things. Yeah, I, I did my best to switch it up. On my way up, I, I in 2020, I was trying to make videos on different topics, which I think is generally a smart strategy because I've, as I found now recently, I've kind of, I kind of box my myself into this exposing fake guru stuff, right. and I once you box yourself in, you're kind of stuck. It becomes right. then harder to grow. Right. Is there any video that you regret making, like that just has created more problems, or you, I don't you're... live a life regret. Like I don't, I don't ever think that way. I never think in the rear view. Um, I don't, I still have not done anything that I felt like I was wrong. Like if I, if I made a video on someone and I, I ruined their life, like I would feel really bad. The only time there was a video I made on someone who's become a good friend and it's not Mickey, by the way, for people watching, it's a friend that no one would know about. And I was pretty ugly towards them because there was a lot of headlines about something and there was a loss. He was getting sued for something and that video is currently down. So you wouldn't be able to find it, but I've become friends with them because he was one who reached out and was like, I can prove you wrong at anything. And I was 
okay, like, let's see. I'm always open to be proven wrong. I think that's only fair. And he proved me wrong with a lot of stuff objectively. And um, that was the, that was one that I still kind of felt a little bad because now that I've been on the receiving end of like hate, yeah, I, if I felt like I was the facilitator of hate, and by the way, this guy's not big on social media, so I don't really think he was that hurt, but in his community, he, a lot of people watched the video and they were reaching out to him. So like, I kind of felt bad for that. Yeah. Um, of course, like the FTX video is the one that I don't regret making it because I still have the same opinions, but um, it was yeah. one of those that just the response was far different than I expected. And so from it, you have like a what I believe what I believe was right is I made a video this way and I still have no regrets. But from a business, sometimes the business side, you go, if that is damaging, you just don't do it. And so right. from the from like a views perspective, yeah, I got hit from that. Is, is that is, is that something that you're willing to unpack a little bit more? Some of the yeah, I mean, yeah. Taking? So yeah. this, I'll, I'll kind of give you my two cents around it. And again, if there's anything that you don't want to cover, I respect that. Um, but I think it's a, it would be a really interesting topic to talk about is um, there, you know, FDX kind of did the whole thing and, um, you know, CoffeeZilla made a video and there's a couple other people that, you know, made a video calling out people that promoted um, and especially called out the people that are YouTube finance, finance people. And it, it's interesting because being in the finance like side of it, I don't look at the YouTube finance people as like financial advisors. Like I see them as a, right. they're making videos. They're, in, they're entertainers. And I, like, I have never once taken a piece of advice, pro or con. Like I, I'll listen to them. There's some things like, oh, like, you know, like they made a video about the US dollar. Or they made the video about the market. And it's like, I can essentially summarize a lot of their content. It's like, buy index funds, the bet on America, spend yep. less than you make. It's like, great. And like, there's some things I'll agree with. There's some things I disagree with, but I like, I've never taken anything that they say personal. And so you, you then came out with a video that very much was like, Hey, like there's fraud. Like there was, I mean, we have to remember FDX was on like a stadium and there were some massive people behind it. So it, it's fair to say a lot of people need to raise their hands and say like, man, we, we screwed up here and due diligence and all that. And two things can be true. You can say like, this is a problem. And I think we would all agree with that. And then you can also say like, hey, listen, like, here's the other side of the coin. It's like, like, we can't just pile on and be a victim here and say like, this person's, it's this person's fault. It's this person's fault. And so I watched what you said, you watched and didn't think of anything of it. And then knowing that you were going to come on the show, I started doing some research and I was like, man, you, you, uh, you struck a chord with some people. Public in, in enemy number one to some people. <laughs> so all, all that to say, I wanted to give you my two cents of like, I, I feel like I'm, I want to be as objective as possible. I don't yeah. want to just be like on your side because you're on the show with me, but like, I tend to be more neutral. Um, and I was a little bit taken back by how much heat you've gotten, but it might just be because of how you built your channel. You're like attracting the already critical people, but why don't you Absolutely. unpack of like what you're going through and is there anything yeah. that you would have changed in the last couple of months and how you've responded um, knowing what you know now? Optically, I'm always going to lose that battle because you have a situation where there was fraud and I'm the channel that calls out influencers who promote fraud. So, of course, like, of course, the people who influence, you know, are, are the bad guys here. I was just upset seeing I was logging into YouTube and I just saw so many people that were spending all their time on this like small group and. The way I see the world is I always try to like understand the full picture. And my, my whole point from the start is like my, my friends are partly guilty in this. Of course, they influence people to sign up and got lost money. Like I've never disagreed with this. My point is that so many people are, t are targeting these like small potatoes. And the, uh, the other day there was actually news that $7 billion was recovered 
from FTX. I don't know if you saw this, but like, I'm actually really curious to see like when the numbers, if they ever come out, like how much money was lost and who influenced the most. Now, unfortunately, that number will never be known. But the point I was always trying to make is like YouTube on YouTube, we always we think we're kind of bigger than we are, but we're such small potatoes in the whole grand scheme of things. Like Logan Paul is a perfect example. On YouTube, he was public enemy number one to 10 million people. And it felt like Logan Paul's career is over. That dude did not get hit once. Like when CoffeeZilla made the trilogy, that dude has blown up since. He's like with Prime. Anyway, point being that like yeah. outside of YouTube, this small little YouTube world, the the world is so much bigger than the little circle where we exist within. And so my point with the FTX is just that there's there's a much bigger story here that you can blame these these finance YouTubers by all means. Like they influence people to lose money, of course, make videos about that. But it just felt like the I could sense that the people the reason people were making videos is because they were they were getting all the views and clicks by being like, I'm going to go at these guys, but you're not really being a full journalist. Like you're not telling the full story. And that's that's the angle I was coming from mostly. And unfortunately, people just kind of misinterpreted it. Do you think that people felt like you sold out because now you're friends with these people? And like, oh, you... of course, that's one of the conspiracy theories. It was so funny, dude. I uh, so many people thought I got paid. And so the irony too. the irony, the, the irony of that video is CoffeeZilla is someone I respect the most on YouTube. He is yeah. absolutely pivotal to my success. And I, I disagreed with him in some of the video. But so people were calling me biased. It's like, I actually disagreed with the one person I respect the most <laughs> in the same video. You're calling me biased. I'm like, no, I'm not biased in any way. But yeah, man, I just because I'm a part of the same agency. So that people had this belief that I was I was like told what to say or I, I a lot of people had this, too. This wasn't just like a few conspiracy theory people. This was like a lot of people legitimately thought that because I'm in the same agency, I can't say certain things. But that's just not true. Right. Right. And I also think for better or worse, and you're experiencing it um, on a micro scale from a standpoint of what some people experience it is like people can now use your name for clicks. Yeah. And um, it seems position. like, I don't know if this is true, but it seems like CoffeeZilla is like the, the like no one, I don't know of a lot of people exposing CoffeeZilla, but it seems like all the, the U- YouTube channels like mine that have like 10,000 subs are like, will do anything to like, it seems like me, Kevin is another one of those people <laughs> that they just love to make videos about. And again, the same thing goes like, I just, I, I, t- I take a step back and be like, man, I respect the hustle. And um, I, I don't agree with everything that he says, but that doesn't make him a bad person that doesn't make me right. It just is like, you can have differenting opinions. Yeah, and, it definitely changed. Okay. It changed my YouTube life in the positive in some sense. And that is, once you start having videos made about you, and they don't even reach out for comment, or to try to understand your side of the story, or like, hey, Maybe just maybe because you're friends with everyone involved. I'm the only person who knows the full story. Yeah. The only one. And yet I'm the most hated. It's like, I, it's just so funny. And the, the problem is with YouTube, you're just not rewarded for telling maybe the truth. It's, yeah, yeah you're in it's like a, this certain niche. And, and if you feed the audience what they're wanting, then you get yeah. rewarded with all the points. But if you don't feed them with what they're wanting, you then lose all the points, even if you're the one who's right, which is yeah. really unfortunate. It, and politics is the same way. It's like you, you, you very, like now it's, if you are like in the middle of the road, like conservative or a little bit liberal, and you're like, you're looking at both sides, like you're making no friends. It's like no friends. It's like you, you, and I would like to say that I can, I have differing opinions across, kind of across the board. Um, but you would be way more incentivized being far left or far right. And that's where I, I don't know why it is like that, but it seems to be across the board when you look at financial strategies, when you look at politics, when you look at faith topics. Um, do you do you have an idea of why that is? It's just 
Yeah, absolutely. It's because the algorithms favor echo chambers. Because you once you once you have shown to the algorithm, I listen to everything Biden says, let's just say. So now anything that's pro-Biden is probably going to be in your feed. Flip it over to pro-Trump or pro-other side or whatever. Same thing with finance. If you're only in the exposed space, then you're only going to get fed content that kind of plays into that. That's that's my belief. I think I have I believe I'm correct on that too. Yeah the uh, the criticism I saw the other day from you was um, all you care about is is um, the algorithm and you care about the algorithm over people and I I believe you've probably you know who Daryl Leaves is I've read his absolutely book, um, and I'm you're following his uh, advice way better than I am but it's you know, and I'm also a fan of Gary Vee, which I know that could be strange, but I just, I love how he, like the candor of what he talks about. And he pretty much says like the market will tell you, like the market will tell you what is relevant and all these things. And so in a way, is that, is that very much what you meant by saying like, Hey, I'm going to make videos based on what the algorithm likes, which means it's going to help a bunch of people because people will want to watch my video for watch time. Is it like, were you just taken out of context from a standpoint of like, Oh, absolutely. The problem with the with people is whenever you're in an environment where you're getting criticized or the people want to find something wrong, they'll spin your words and not try to understand where you're coming from. People, these people who criticize me with, with that point is they don't understand that this is a business for me. I'm getting sued. My legal bill last month was $12,000. I made 4,000 from AdSense. If you understand business, I have I have $4,000 a month in expenses too that are just in producing the videos. And so I'm break even on AdSense and, and my expenses. And then you add in $12,000 in legal bills. Where does that money come from? If I keep making exposed videos, that get 3,000 views a video. But I, those 3,000 people are so happy because like, yeah, he's, he's exposing people. Then I'm out of business very quickly. And so they don't seem to understand that I'm in the business of making money. That is what business yeah. is. And if if I and and yeah, there's like an alt, uh, a sub part of this which I do enjoy making kind of this exposed stuff because I do think it is very beneficial. But if the views start dropping by half in exposed content, but I can make other videos that get double the views, that's the only way to stay in business. What they don't see is that I was my legal bills. I've spent fifty thousand more dollars this year than I've made. Fifty thousand. The average income in America is like fifty thousand. We're at April seventeenth. In three months, I've spent fifty thousand more than I make. So how do how am I making money? So what's really frustrating is people don't see that part. I'm fighting to stay not in debt. Yeah. I'm fighting to pay my bills. So yeah. I have to do what's best for my channel. And these people who get really upset are super annoying because if you want me to expose people or make bigger videos that uh, call out the scumbags, well, I need to stay in business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> None of these people understand it. It's like, but that's the problem is if you're taking advice from non-YouTubers that, who don't do YouTube, then it's like... Yeah. So yes, or, I very or much people that don't understand context. business. I mean, you can oh, have yeah, too. an amazing, you can have an amazing heart. And I have this framework in business, which we'll get into frameworks in a second. It's called value leveraging. I believe every great business needs to provide value and a value is either through a service or a product and not all services or products are created equal. Hence why you have some famous people versus some non-famous people. But it's like, okay, you need to provide value, which you need to know like who your audience is, what problem do they have and how do you solve that? And part of your part of your clients are actually advertisers and they're looking. Yeah. So that's, it's kind of a unique space, but then you need to leverage that and leverage is the, the, the person that can have value and amplify that value will have influence, have money. And, and, and the number one big mistake that people make that are our age is they, they love the, the uh, leverage aspect. They want to go viral, all these things, but they don't have a foundation or they don't have substance. And so, you know, leverage actually just exposes them. 
and you've probably made videos of people that were genuinely good people and they just they use leverage a little too quick it exposed them and they just kept kept going with it and it became an issue but but vice versa like you we need to understand that money follows value and, and the moment we stop producing value is a moment that we will um that that will be a problem in business and so i don't know if you have any comment on that i would like to shift to how you yeah, think about ahead. money but is there any any final words as it relates to this season that you're in you mentioned lawsuit any pieces of advice or anything that you would like to say before we shift to like your mindset on money and business uh yeah don't get sued <laughs> but there's no way to prevent that <laughs> it, would there have been knowing what you know now would you have done something different like no you can't you can't prevent it unfortunately is it going to be one of those things that you're going to win in the end and are they going to have to pay your legal fees that's or the hope just... yeah just need okay. the judge to dismiss that's it we'll find out in a few months hopefully okay. six months or so okay so uh now now to a, a different topic about your mindset around money and business do you have any frameworks that you lean into and in how you think about success, business, and money? I don't actually. No, I'm I'm an all-in type of guy. So I try to get my expenses as low as possible. I'm very frugal. And then I've, I've actually switched recently and I'm going all in on content. Every dollar I make is going into content. I mean, that's a, that's a frame, that's a semi framework. It's like, yeah, spend, so. spend as little as possible and put every dollar into it. Is yeah. there, is, is it just like the epiphany that it's like, Hey, content's going to be like, is it the example of betting on yourself? It's like, this is my great, greatest asset. And so I'm going to go all in on it. Thankfully from the lawsuit, um, I've had a lot of dark nights. Like the last six months have been brutal for me just because my legal bills have been more than I'm making. And I log into YouTube and I see ugly comments about me and just <laughs> it's not been fun. Um, so I've realized what I don't want. And what I don't want is a life full of stress. I don't want a life where I'm <laughs> wondering how I'm going to pay my bills and in debt. But what I realize is what I do enjoy, and that is creating. And what I want to shift to is original content. And so I've been making videos about fraud stories, fake gurus, scammy marketing, all that stuff, which is cool. But I have a new channel that I'm starting and I'm super excited for it. And I've I felt alive for the first time in probably over a year. That feeling, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I have something to point to. I have this new project that I'm, that's where my like real interest is. And so I'm, I made the decision because I think that's going to be, the life I want to live, yep. I think is going to be in that second channel. And so that's why I'm going all in. Are, are you are you public about the second channel at this point? Or like, what is I haven't I haven't released a video yet. Okay, what is the content going to be about? It's going to be real estate investing focused, but with spectacle. I think there's a huge opening right now for really entertaining finance content where there's a little education, but it's mostly entertainment. And so if, if you picture like the first video is going to be buying a, or what 1 million gets you in LA versus Vegas. And so there'll be a real estate element of like, oh, this is what it actually costs. But there's going to be hope I'm going to do my best to make it as entertaining as I can. And so it's going to be a lot of like comedy in it or hopefully some comedy bits. And so that's the goal. I think there's a huge opening for entertaining finance right now. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And speaking about real estate, you are you still house hacking? I know, you know, house hacking was kind of like your real estate framework, at least that's the notes that I took from a standpoint of like, that's what you wish you would have known when you first started. Are you still doing that? And and if you had to give real estate advice to someone watching this, would it be like to read a certain book to watch a certain video? Or like, what would you what would you share with them knowing what you know now? 
Yes, I do still house hack. So I have three, four houses. Three of them are house hacks. One's an Airbnb. And so they all have kind of served its purpose. And my goal with house hacking was get to a point where my income, my, my net income covered all my living expenses, my base level living expenses. And I've done that. And so it served its purpose. If I had a bunch of cash, I would still buy real estate. I would still grow that portfolio. But unfortunately, I don't. And so now I'm going all in on content. Uh, as far as people go, as far as advice, I never give advice on real estate because I think there's you got to really know the person, their situation. And so I, I would actually <laughs> I say, don't look, go looking for advice. Spend the next year learning as much as you can and go to networking and, and meetups and then figure out whatever it is for you. Some people are better suited for flipping or for house hacking or for your you know, Airbnb or something. But house just hacking to, is the best way to start. I think it's the best way to start for a majority of people. And and just to, house hacking is where you buy a house where that has more than one room and you live in one one of those rooms or one side and then you rent it out to people that you know, maybe people that you don't know. And so you're able to get that house with a personal mortgage um, and and you're able to kind of like self self pay for it. And it's an easy way to get started. And then exactly. A lot of people each year or so can kind of buy another one and it can be a conservative way to continue to to start your real estate portfolio um is any anything yeah. that you would add to that yeah there's two different models so one is house hacking we're just getting to semantics but house hacking is essentially buying a house that you occupy rent by the room and the theory is you get enough roommates to offset your full cost so you're living for free while managing the other rooms and then rent by room is if you don't want to live in the property and you want to increase the income. So if you get a five bed house here in Vegas, it might be 2,700 a month in rent, but amongst those five people, they might pay $800 a month. So you're getting 4,000 as opposed to 2,700. And so it's a way to make, I, I consider it about 50% more on average. If you can get into that four five, six bed house in rent by room, you'll get 50% more than market rate. So those two strategies are, are really lucrative. And I, I think I'm so bullish. I think it's going to be so, so, so common 10 years from now, and I'm early. I think it's going to become even more popular and more people will utilize this strategy. Yep. Do you, are, do you know Pace Marby? Do you follow Absolutely. any of Yeah, okay. I've hung out with him. He's, Pace speaks and teaches uh, with buying real estate with like no credit and stuff in a non-scammy way. I don't know, yeah. I don't know your, your thought, but I'm I like, a huge fan of Pace. Very, very much appreciate how he shows up, how he communicates. And I believe with where you look at where interest rates are going, it's like if you can learn from people like him, um, he can help you get into the real estate and then, and then there's a lot of different ways that you can make money once you have Absolutely. the asset. But I think buy like if there's one thing I've learned about business and real estate, it's like you make your money on the buy. And that's one thing I've just really appreciated people like him who are like, have some amazing content that are really inspiring. Like you, you don't have to have money to to get in this space and he's he's a good person that's like has that message which is really easy to go downhill if you're if you don't have ethics and i think he's done an incredible job and the community that he's grown has really has really proven that he's he's doing a great job oh yeah he's amazing i'm a huge fan of pace one of my intentions from the start with my channel was i wanted to make equal videos about fraudsters and highlight people that yeah. We're succeeding and crushing it and people I, I want to shine a spotlight on this person because you guys need to know more about him unfortunately i kind of went down the, the one path because views and when you're so views based like i am i don't have anything to sell for the longest time so like you're so views based that you're you're, you're just going to go down the path to get a hundred thousand views and all the you get all the internet points because you're the good guy and you're making all the exposed content but he would be a perfect example of a guy like i had full interest in going out to phoenix and doing like a behind the scenes of his business 
the problem is it just won't get the views. So like the cost to me to go make that video, I don't have anything to sell. Like theoretically, maybe an affiliate deal with his course, but that's not really my audience. And so it was really tough because I, I really wanted to make those videos because I find him to be so helpful. But yep. I, and I would love to use my audience or my, my, my size of my channel to shine a spotlight on good guys like him, but it just never worked out. So, so do you have more empathy for like the news? Like a lot of people are like the news just pumps garbage and all these things and negativity, but it's like, because I've never watched, I've never clicked on a news story about a positive thing. So is, is that, is that like a reflection of just how we're wired or like what, knowing what you know, cause we know that negativity is not good for our health. It's not good for just men, our mental um, minds. Is there anything that we change or you just, is that just the way people go? And it's just like capitalism, like, Hey, make it's capitalism. Make <laughs> the news doesn't care. You think uh, dude, the, I would not be surprised if the Fox news hosts don't give two craps about Donald Trump. It's all it, dude. It's so funny. Once you realize how, how the masses move and operate and how they think it's just, you realize you can, you can basically leverage their stupidity against them. Yeah. Like with the news, I'm speaking about the news in general. It's just, you understand that people are going to click on this and then they get riled up. And that's the whole funny, the, the whole thing with news and in, in politics to me, I haven't followed the news since 08. I was telling my parents back in 2008, I was like, stop watching this crap. I know exactly what they're doing. Somehow no one seemed to catch on. It took years later that now finally people are starting to figure out since I think maybe like maybe 2015, 2016, where it became more prominent, this idea that you have news corporations, but but Go is ahead. there a way to pump positivity where no. people will click? No. The only way is Mr. Beast. The only I, way I is if you turn it into like an entertaining spectacle, but he's not he's not making a point. I think is what, what you're really asking is yeah. like, can you make a political point or can you make a uh, here's like a financial point? Like, here's how you should invest or something. Yeah. You in the, Oh, by the way, this is where I'm trying to get to with the with my second channel. And the, I do think there is an opening for this where if you can make entertaining content, you'll bring in the eyeballs. But then if there's it can't be the whole video, but if you can add an element yep. of education, it's kind of like the, if you need to give your dog a pill, you, you wrap it in cheese or something. So yep. it, it sees the cheese and it consumes it. It consumed the pill, but without realizing it. Yep. I, I think there, I think when it comes to what you're doing on your second channel, entertainment, I think the person that can be entertaining and people are watching um, and um, can give good information. And I think you do that just by default of like your, you script out your videos, which I, have a yep. ton of respect for because um, it takes work. It takes a lot of work to do. Sure and does. you And you intentionally make your videos probably shorter um, to make it worth like, I just never felt like my time is wasted watching your videos. And be, that's because it's intentional. Hence why you have a lot more subs than I do. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate I, that. I waste the majority of my videos and it shows. Yeah. I always kept that in mind because there were times where stuff would feel bloated. I'm like, this is not essential to the video. And so yep. I'd remove it, even though it would help my watch time. Yeah. Um, as, as we're wrapping this up, is there anything that you uh, want to share and just what you've learned this last two, three years of like YouTube making hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, getting sued, getting, a, getting exposed by the same people that helped you <laughs> on the, on the up and up yeah. you've had real estate. We had, we didn't talk about some of your real estate failures, but you've had a lot of ups and downs as you just reflect on, on your life and some of the things that you've learned what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? And maybe what would you tell someone that genuinely wants to get better and is a sponge and will like take what you tell them and, and, and really pursue it? Like, what would you share with them knowing 
that you've gone through some ups and downs. And I, I believe that you have a lot of good uh, left left in you. And so I'm excited to see what you do in the future. But I know it's going to be because of how you think and how you answer this question. I very much appreciate that. The second question is one I'll answer. And that is the quote, seek first to understand, then to be understood. I, I just, I wish if I had ultimate level of influence on the world, I just wish I could promote that belief. And I found that there's a lot of awesome people that have this belief system and most people adhere to this, but there's still a very, very large portion of the people around us that just, just spend some time trying to understand where people come from. That's what I just it really bothers me because like most of politics and most of these conversations around tough topics about gays and trans and politics and finance stuff and homelessness. Like a lot of this is just try to understand people first and try to understand where they're at or where they're coming from and then judge them. Like if, if you find out everything that they believe and you try to understand their position, then you'll, and you, and you still believe the opposite, totally fine. But at least you gave the effort to understand. I think we as a society, as a group of people, I think would all be better off if instead of immediately running to have our thoughts and opinions heard, to actually try to understand their position and put yourself in their their shoes and, and try to evaluate you know their decision-making process, I think we'd be a lot better off as a whole. Yeah, and I think um, the beautiful thing about having dialogue with people that you disagree with and to be able to have that dialogue, I think is one of the most beautiful things. And I know that you have, you've done that on your show where you've maybe made a video and then it seems like any time you make a video about someone they're always welcome to respond or now Absolutely. that you, and, and I, I respect that because it's one thing to make a video and then not do anything about it. It's another that's thing to have easy a long thing. form conversation. Yeah, that's so easy. It's so easy to do to just like poke at someone and call them the bad guy. And then, and then nav- never actually give your chance, give yourself a chance to be proven wrong, which should be the way to go about life. Yeah. If you were wrong about something, you should publicly have to show that you were wrong. And that's what it was so upsetting to me. just like the fact that I'm getting so much heat. It's like, and I get so much heat for the Mickey video, the one, the the gambler, I made a video about the guy and he's like, no, you're wrong. He invited me to his place to like, hey, come and you can ask me any question you want. We should, now, thankfully it's like a 97% like, like ratio. So I'm only speaking to the 3%, but so many people are like, I unsubscribed after the Mickey video. I hate, I, I knew Spencer was a scammer after he made that video. I'm like, dude, I don't want to live in a world where someone unprovokingly makes a video about someone calling them a fraud and then ignores their request to like hang out and chat and like, at least give them a chance to speak on their side. Yeah, I love it, dude. I love it. Yeah. One of the questions that I've asked um, almost every guest that comes on is the legacy question. And we're going to say that this is your last day on earth, which is kind of crazy because we're both young. It's your last day on earth and you can give the people that you love the most nothing, no video, no book. You just have one last conversation to share with them. What would you make sure to say in that last conversation uh, as you reflect on your life? I would thank them for every little thing they did, but it would be, it would be less about thanking them for spending money on something or buying me a car, but thank you for the behaviors you, you helped me find within myself. I I don't know how to best answer that. The, like the way you raised me, it would be for my parents. Like the way you raised me and the behaviors I have are all from your teachings, you know, or some friends that had profound impact on my life. Like, thank you for all the things you taught me as opposed to like bought me or you said that you had a phenomenal upbringing. What are some of the characteristics that your parents instilled in you at a young age? Well, absolutely responsibility. I think it's the best yeah. way to go through life. If everything's your fault, it's like clarity because then you stop looking at others to blame you. Like it's all on you. 
I think the uh, man, I, I would have to think through that one a little deeper because I haven't put any thought into that recently. So I don't have anything off the top of my off the top of my lips. But um, yeah, yeah, I feel like I was raised raised well. I, I think a lot of it is the sub communication, like the a lot of it's in finance too. Just like don't overspend, <laughs> don't be <laughs> stupid with money. <laughs> yeah, don't believe everything that you that you hear. Um, Spencer, how can how can our audience um, support what you're up to? I know that you you're, you mentioned that you're going to have a second channel. When that does come up, uh, we'll link it in in the description if you'd like us to. And right. how can people connect with you and support um, just the journey that you're on? Spencer Cornelia on YouTube, Instagram Spencer Cornelia one. Second channel is going to be called Spencer the Investor. And so if it'll be hard to find because I got no subscribers right now. But but one day, one day I'm going to be much easier to find. Amazing, man. Uh, man, I, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking time to, to come on the show. And um, I look forward to having conversations in the future and, and seeing how you grow, how uh, you can look back on your uh, ups and downs of entrepreneurship and being a creator and the empathy that you already have, but the empathy that you're going to continue to grow. And I think, again... A lot of people use Gary Vee's name. I don't know your thoughts on him. I love what him. I can tell you about him is he's gone. He gets so much crap on the internet. And yet I've followed him for five, six years. I'm not one of these hypey guys, but he's, he's grown. And his message I think is even more relevant and his ability to communicate is even better now than it's ever been. And I think it's only because he went through the press of the internet and it has made him better. And so, um, I think, uh, I think that's going, I, not that you have the same personality as Gary, but I think uh, there's going to be a lot of parallels to that. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.